Welcome to Hashtag Skinthusiast, the podcast, a place for listeners to hear from the experts and soak in tangible tips to get that glow from the inside out. I'm Amy, a skincare educator, practicing dermatology PA, and beauty creator who bridges the gap between you and the industry. Listen in to the industry's top experts on everything from the best way to spot treat a pimple, which skincare ingredients we shouldn't be mixing, to the drugstore finds that are better than luxury price tags. We cover it all. Here, dermatologists, skincare experts, brand founders, and thought leaders will share their tips and tricks for all things beauty, skincare, and wellness. Think of hashtag Skinthusiasts like a coffee chat with the beauty gurus whose brains you've always wanted to pick. You won't get this kind of insight anywhere else. Your best skin is coming soon. Have we got an episode for you? If you love hair care, this episode is about to blow your mind. We have Megan Schlapp, research and developer and formulator over at the viral hair care brand K18. She is a true expert on how to best care for your hair on every level. And as a curly girl herself, she gives the best curly and coily hair tips. I've listened to this episode over and over and keep learning something new. I can't wait to implement all these new tips into my hair care routine. This is one of those episodes you're going to want to listen to a couple of times so you don't miss anything. Get ready to take some notes. Alrighty. So Megan, thank you so, so much for joining me on today's podcast. When I mentioned that I was going to have, you know, such a strong mind when it comes to science and and cosmetic formulation on the podcast, I had a lot of questions. So I know that um, the audience is really going to get a lot of value for this. So thank you for taking the time to kind of educate us all. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for thinking of me. And I love talking about all things hair and skin science. So um, let's get in. Okay. So on that note, let's just start with what is your first hair care memory? Do you remember? Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) I've come a long way. So when I was a kid, I had like this curly hair, but I didn't know it until I was like a teenager. So I didn't know really um, what to do with my hair. And I just remember humidity was never my friend and like different images from like my childhood where my dad was maybe not the kindest in how he referenced the the aesthetic of my hair. But when I was in middle school or like almost high school, scrunching became a thing where you would put gel in your hair and you'd create like a little bit of a curl. And I did it one time and I was like, does this work really well for me? This is a cool thing. I'm glad I discovered this. And then it just kind of started the curly hair care routine and learning how to do things that work for my hair. And you know, being always interested in science, I wanted to know why something did work the way that it did. So investigating that kind of got me launched into where I ended up in hair science. I love that. And I know that questions about curly hair and curl patterns and caring for your curls is so common. And, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I'm definitely excited to get into the curly part of it because I know that we had a lot of questions about it. But I want to first talk a little bit about how you got to this place in your career and what has your career journey been like? So I started in cosmetics almost as an accident. I love doing research and I always thought I would do some kind of academia. But after college, I took a break before going to graduate school and I started doing industry and cosmetic chemistry had this draw because it kind of hybridized different pieces of art, which I also loved to do in my personal time and creativity and, you know, meshed it really well with the sciences. So I got into formulation. I started actually in color cosmetics because that's kind of, you can see the direct art link there. 
and I worked for a brand for a little while. Then I switched gears and went into skin and hair care for a contract manufacturer. So for anybody who doesn't know, contract manufacturers are companies that will do developments on behalf of different brands. You work with them to create kind of, they come to you with an idea or a type of product or attributes that they want. And then you, you know, do the development on the formulation side to create. So I did formula development there. I love all things skin, but hair care was kind of always my favorite. And so I worked in the contract labs there for a while. Then I switched into the innovation lab, which I liked because when you do things for contract, the timelines are kind of really sped up. And so you don't really have the time to devote putting so much thought and like experimental design as as much as I would have wanted anyway. So I was looking to do more and felt like you could really optimize better. So I switched into the innovation lab there to kind of do things from scratch, put a little bit more time and effort into the initial like research phase for formulas. And then I, I ended up in contact with Savine Sahib, who is one of the founders of K18. And what he was looking to do was, first of all, he had this really fascinating product, right, with extremely compelling science. Um, so that captured my attention, of course, right away. And then he was very interested in hair science education, because he had done his own exploration, which is how he got into finding the K18 peptide and how he got into hair. But you know, found that there are, it's really hard to get access to what is true and evidence-based information and that there weren't many ways for a consumer, somebody who doesn't come from a technical background to get access to that information and know what's right, what isn't. There's so much misinformation circulating out there. And so one of the initiatives that was really important to him was doing science education. And that resonated with me because I didn't think that any brands were really doing it in a way that wasn't at least a little bit um, misleading. So I, it just, it felt really natural to join him. And I've been with K18 now since December, 2020. So it's two and a half years and I love the work that I do with them. It's really incredible because I, when I first found K18 and that's how I met you through your kind of science squad and your education that you provide to, you know, content creators and, and, I would consider, you know, myself a skincare educator and hair care is something I just kind of very recently started educating on because I find that there's a lot of questions around it. So when I met you, I was so pleasantly surprised, exactly as you said, that K18 educates in a way that is very comprehensive and it doesn't feel like although many of it much of it ties back to K18 because of the science behind it which we'll we'll get into a little bit later because it's such a fantastic brand and and really this peptide is so remarkable a lot of the recommendations may tie back to K18 but the education is so as i said comprehensive and holistic that i really enjoyed that education and it taught me so much about hair and that's why i really wanted wanted to have you on and so as i said we're going to talk a little bit about K18 but i wanted to kind of get from your expertise what are like the essentials for our hair? You know, I know the essentials for our skin, what our skin absolutely needs and what, you know, is kind of an extra. What do you think is the essentials for hair care? Oh my goodness. There's so many ways to answer that question. I think understanding kind of the hair that you have on your head, like skin, right? Everybody has a little bit of a different and a unique requirement. So it, it's not an easy answer that you can tell somebody, right? It takes a lot of experimentation and it's a journey, but putting that time in to, to know what works for you and what doesn't, right? Like 
there are tons of products out there and it's hard to sift through all of them. But the experimentation is almost fun, right? Because you can try these different things, like trying on different clothes. So my biggest piece of advice is always do what works for you. If, if there's a huge trend or if somebody's talking about something that like works really well for them, but it just doesn't fit you, you don't have to make it fit. You can find something that works for all the things that you need for your unique hair. Um, that said, there are a couple of pieces to a routine that I think are really important. So it all starts when you wash your hair, right? You want to, first of all, it's performing a function. You're cleaning your hair and your scalp, which is very, uh, the health of your scalp is, is intricately linked to the health of your hair and actually vice versa. There's a really interesting interplay there, but we can talk more about that later. You want your hair to be clean when you come out of the shower, you create this clean canvas so that everything you do afterward, you just get better results from. And that's in styling, that's in salon services, that's kind of in every area. Having a good shampoo and including a clarifying shampoo in your routine, I found to be really important, both theoretically and experimentally, you know, personally as well, right? So a good shampoo. Then there are two parts, right? You want to have different ways to protect your hair because when you're going out and living your life, your hair is exposed to so many different factors. And I think people don't realize just how many ways there are to damage hair. So using a product that's going to offer really good protection from all these different areas, right? Be that salon services, be that heat, be that... um, mechanical styling, right? Just styling your hair with a brush, getting a brush through it, putting it into different styles. Um, Even the environment has tons of sources of potentially damaging things for hair. So finding a product that has protection, and we can talk about kind of different strategies for that later, um, I think is really important because hair, unlike skin, isn't living. So it's not like when you get a cut, your skin is going to grow back and kind of repair itself in that biological way. Hair isn't biologically alive, but it is chemically dynamic. So it can't necessarily stitch itself back together when it gets hurt, but there are different things that you can do. And that's kind of the lead into why the K18 peptide is so interesting. But you need protection to stop that where you can. Damage is inevitable, unfortunately. So no matter how good your routine is, there's always going to be something that happens to stress your hair. Um, we can't grow hair to the floor, right? Like hair, it, 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 it deals with a lot. And that's called, in the technical community, it's called weathering, what happens to hair as the fiber grows out and expo- it's exposed to so many different things. So there are different ways to repair hair, right? Strategies that you can use to kind of help mitigate that damage in in certain ways and kutine is really the most authentic repair that i've ever seen on the market and i've done a lot of hair formulations but the technology is just incredible so you know starting strong in how you're washing your hair finding a way to protect your hair products that you can apply to mitigate damage and then a good product that will help you to some extent, repair that damage, I think are the three most important things for hair. And what are some of those aggressors that might be damaging our hair, maybe without us even knowing, you know, beyond the ones we know, like the chemical services, high heat, things like that? What are other things we're encountering in our daily life that are damaging our hair? So environment is really the biggest source because nobody's living in an isolated bubble. People are going out. And so where you um, encounter different sources of potential damage are 
even if you're just going outside, right? Sunlight, the UV in sun can cause pretty significant damage to the hair over time. And there's different environments. So if you live in a city, you also have pollution to contend with. But even people who live in more suburban or even urban areas, right, there's pollution coming from cars and automobiles on the road. It's not just factories and and other things that you would expect to be a little bit more concentrated in a city. But even water can be damaging to hair. And this is one that I think people may not realize at all. So every time you wet your hair in the shower, in a pool, in the ocean, whatnot, that actually weakens hair. And so it puts hair in this more vulnerable state where it can take damage more easily. And, you know, I know, oh gosh, there was a trend when I was younger of like wet styling hair, like putting a hot iron directly onto wet hair. And I saw something on social, like it's coming back now. There's another tool that's trying to do that. And I was like, no, do anything you want. Please do not do that. Because I don't care what anybody says. There's no way to quickly take care from wet to dry without damaging it because you're forcing water molecules out from the inside of hair. And if you think about that, doing it really quickly, right? It's like boiling water. And so this water vapor is trying to really, you know, turn into air and get out of the hair. And it's kind of crashing through that protein structure that makes up hair. So on its way to get out of the hair, it's, it's doing damage. The other thing is that water can have outside of just being wet, right? And loosening the protein structure, it has different elements to it that can be bad for hair. So one of them is pH. pH is super important when you talk about hair because of its structure. So the outside of hair is the cuticle. It's kind of these overlapping tile-like cells that form hair's first line of defense or its barrier. That's the thing that's in direct contact with the environment. And when hair is in the presence of water, whether it's humidity or it's submersed right when you're washing your hair, the cuticles will actually swell. And so what happens is it allows things to get inside of hair a little bit easier but you also can feel it. So these cuticle scales, when they are sticking out, they kind of look like a pine cone. That's the kind of the best visual representation. If you picture a pine cone with those scales kind of standing out, imagine trying to brush two pine cones alongside each other. That's a lot of friction. And so what can happen is hair will get really tangled and hair is going to stick on each other. It's going to feel stripped. It's going to ultimately, right, when you're trying to drag a brush through it, you're kind of not relenting. So breakage, the cuticles can chip and catch and snag on each other and they can chip off. Now, where pH fits into this is that the higher the pH of the water, the more or the greater degree of swelling the cuticle actually possesses. So if you are submerging a hair fiber in water that's of a low pH, right, that's acidic, you kind of minimize that swelling. So you are also preserving the proteins in this happier state. Um, Hair's optimal pH is around five. So between four and a half to five. Anybody who's not familiar with the pH scale, that is from zero to 14. The lower numbers being more acidic, the higher numbers being more alkaline. And right in the middle of that scale is neutral, which is a seven. Most of physiologic pH is neutral, right? The inside of our bodies, our cells, that's around 7.6. But hair actually prefers a lower pH. So if you're using a water that or a product that is at neutral pH, you might be thinking that that's safe, but it's actually too high for hair. 
And there are studies that have shown that hair that's been soaked in lower pH solutions are actually more resistant to damage. So in DSC or calorimetry, you basically heat the proteins until they denature or break down. And the hair that was incubated at the low pH was it degraded at a much higher temperature than the hair that had been soaked in neutral or alkaline pH. Now, the other thing, right, is that those cuticles are swelling. So it's not just mechanical damage that can happen. It actually lets color. So if you get dyed hair, if you dye your hair, those color molecules have more access to the water and they break down and they leach out of the hair. So higher pH also removes color if you color treat your hair a lot faster. And contrary to popular belief, shampoo is not the thing that leaches color or fades color. It's just water itself and water accessing those dye molecules and breaking them down slowly. And the higher the pH, again, the faster that process is going to happen. So using pH balanced products for hair, I know I've seen that term kind of come up a lot more, but I don't know if people are understanding just how important it is or why it's important, right? So some of those things... Um, the pH of the water that you're washing your hair is important. And most pH, at least within the States, falls in the range of 6.5 to 9.5. So all of it is higher than hair's happiest pH. And it's important to use products that are low pH because they help offset that extra cuticular swelling, that extra exposure, and that extra weakening of the hair. A pH of 9 is really pretty high. And many people are washing their hair however frequently they're doing, exposing it to that high pH, and that's not good for your hair. Now, water has one other sneaky um, culprit that can do bad things for your hair, and it's the presence of different metals and minerals in that water. So some people, actually most people, I think in the States have hard water, and what hard water is, it's, it contains a, a high amount of calcium and magnesium salt, so just those two specific metals in a really high amount and you can actually feel it. So I've always lived in New York City and we have relatively soft water. But when I would travel upstate to other states or even out of the country, like I can feel when the water is hard, it has this texture to it. And you can see it in your home, right? If you have hard water, you're going to have that lime scale, which is the white kind of crusty stuff that's sitting on your faucet or maybe your glassware. And if it's sitting on your glassware that's been exposed to water, right? Think about what's depositing on your hair. So hard water makes hair feel really gritty and textured and, and dry, right? If somebody comes in and they're saying that they have, you know, the hair is really dry, they need to use a lot of products, not really helping. They probably have some kind of mineral buildup due to hard water. And that's, again, something that makes a big impact on the way that your hair feels, but it's not really talked about all that much. So using a shower filter is pretty important. But even if you don't have hard water in your home, water can still contain trace amounts, smaller amounts of other metals that would be present. And those can come from the metal piping that's used, right? Like copper or, or lead or iron, different metals make their way into the water. And those can be present in hard water, but also soft water. And these metals are at, like I said, a lower level, but they're actually worse for hair because they don't just impact how hair feels. They impact how the protein structure of hair stays stable. So 
Have you ever heard of or seen smoking foils in a salon? No. Okay. Sounds I, scary. I'm glad that you've never encountered it. Actually. <laughs> Sounds very scary. Mm-hmm. What's happening is that there are things in the hair that are amplifying the chemical reactions that are occurring in the salon. So oxidative damage is really the biggest one when it comes to hair that really damages the structure and so the health of the hair. So these different metals, when they're present in the water, they like to stick to hair. And that's because metals have a positive charge and hair proteins actually have a negative charge. So opposites attract and those metals will stick themselves onto the proteins of hair. If you go outside and you're in UV, UV is also a type of oxidative damage. If you go into the salon and your stylist doesn't know the quality of the water you've been washing your hair in, and they go to do a bleaching service, which again is an oxidizing chemical, it can make that worse. And it can cause even more incidental damage to hair when you go through any of these other processes like that. And again, it's something that seems really basic and important, but it's not really talked about in the industry. So Katein has a pro product called the Prochelating Complex, which we developed specifically to remove different metals and minerals from the hair to standardize a salon service like that. And it's like not that interesting to most people, but it's my favorite product because it it sets people up for success because so many people come in with so many different things on their hair that they just have no knowledge of. And you want to make sure when you go to a salon, you can trust who you're seeing. And it gives the pros this tool to create kind of a baseline that's safe and they can trust what they're doing. They don't have to worry about what kind of state the hair came in before. Um, and they can do their best artwork on the hair and your hair stays the healthiest. So that's my like geek rant. I just think metals in water and on hair is fascinating and removing them is super important. So there's lots of ways that the water that you're even just washing your hair in can be causing damage. Um, the last thing with water that I'll mention, because now it's been a full Ted talk on like where in your environment <laughs> can you hear hair debt, da- where can you get hair damage is that when water is present in the environment and that can just be in the form of humidity right atmospheric water and you're outside in the sun it makes the uv damage worse so the higher the humidity or if you're outside swimming or if you're outside in the ocean like i spent a lot of time i was beach bum when i was a kid and that's also kind of why i had hermione hair right like i was getting what was actually chemical damage to my hair um because the combination of the sun and the water and the metals and minerals in ocean water does this reaction that is effectively the same as an insulon bleach. That's where surfer's hair comes from, actually. You see that lightening of hair because it's a natural environmental bleaching that's occurring to the hair and the damage that goes with it. Wow. I have so many follow-up questions. My mind is a little bit blown right now. I feel like we could do five episodes and learn so much. Um, so a couple quick things I thought about, do you recommend, so let's say someone is seeing color as they've seen for years and years who doesn't happen to carry K18. Do you remember, do you recommend that they do? I personally love K18's detox shampoo. It's my absolute favorite shampoo, let alone clarifying shampoo. Um, do you recommend that they maybe do that at home before? And then as far as like conditioner, should they leave their hair without conditioner before they see their colorist or what would you recommend? That's a really good question. I think a lot of people kind of have this belief that you should come into the salon with dirty hair before a service, but that actually doesn't serve the stylist best. 
And one of the reasons that this myth kind of propagated was because the processes that occur in the salon, those chemical processes can be really damaging. And so having a little bit of natural oils on your hair or products on the hair could serve as this kind of minimal protection barrier so that those chemicals aren't doing, I guess, as much damage. But actually, it's going to make the salon process a little bit less consistent because like I mentioned before, having a clean canvas on hair makes everything go better including the insulin chemical services. So yeah, I absolutely would recommend using the detox shampoo yourself, but something else that sort of negates the need for this like protection on your hair, right. Is using the core K18 product, the K18 mask, because you're again, keeping your hair structurally as healthy as it can be. And with hair structure equals strength. And that's the whole health of your hair, right? So by coming in with a clean canvas and your your hair that is in its healthiest state that it can be, your pro is going to be able to do so much more with your hair. I remember some of the early testimonies that I heard from pros when I joined K18 about the product, right? Because there's a lot of ingredients that have a potentially interesting mechanism of action. But when you have a really strong theoretical background and you see in practice really dramatic results, that's kind of the special combination that you would want in a product, right? And pros were saying that, you know, for things that they used to have to turn people away for, they would come in with this really damaged hair. They'd want a crazy color transformation and they couldn't do it because if they did, the hair would just break off. They were able to do services on these on these clients and they would be able to push the hair further because it was just more structurally resilient. And so it can last through the damage that occurs during a salon service. And then you also use it after, right, to supplement any damage that did occur. So having that holistic routine before you go and see your pro, even if it's the same person and they're not using K18, which they should be, you should like tell them about it. But even if they're not, there's things that you can do as a consumer to make sure that your hair is ready to go when you go into the salon. I love that because I think I liken it to, you know, before I'm doing a laser on a patient or something like that in office, I I have certain things I'd like them to do the six weeks prior. You know, I want them to be on a retinoid early on so we can upregulate that collagen. And, and these things, I, it sounds like it's very similar. We want your hair to be in its best you know, quality before you're going on and doing some of these more damaging services, because that's ultimately going to set you up better than trying to just do damage control after. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So we have some, some things we can do to our hair before services, trying to find a colorist who already uses and is knowledgeable at K18, uh, of K18, you know, a water filter and um, kind of limiting our hair's exposure to water, especially outside and UV. Is there anything else you can think of as far as lifestyle changes that we can make for our hair that can kind of set us up for success? Things we might be able to avoid probably I'm assuming like cigarette smoke, same thing is damaging to our hair, just as it is to our skin. Anything else you can think of? Yeah. Hair is actually such a good bio record of different kinds of pollutants that you're not only getting from air exposure, right? Atmospheric exposure, if you live in a city, but your diet or things that you do like smoking cigarettes, you can differentiate the content of certain metals in hair of cigarette smokers versus not or they've used it to track environmental contamination in different environmental populations. And again, the hair reflects kind of that record of things that you've been exposed to, which again is nuts. Using or 
again, I'm going to plug the chelator because it's just so important. Like having a pro do a demineralizing treatment before a chemical service is also really important because like I said, it's going to minimize the damage that occurs and it's also going to standardize the results that they get. So another interesting thing about the, um, that we saw when we were testing this prochelator complex was that the color of a, if you're doing a color service in the salon and let's say you have this kind of like reddish auburn color and you apply that to hair, if the hair has been soaked in like a hard water slash contaminated water mixture prior to it, and then you do the service versus hair that's been soaked in that same contaminated water formula, and then you apply the chelator and then you do the service, the color actually comes out pretty dramatically different, which is nuts, right? Because what that means is a pro who's using the same product on different people's hair, if they have different mineral contents in the water that they're shampooing, if they went to a lake, if they went to an ocean, they might not get the same results every single time. So it's important to standardize the result, right? If you want a color and your colorist is familiar with it, get the best results out of that, right? So not just minimize damage, but minimize any side reactions that are going to change the result that you're going for. So I do think that having a demineralizing treatment, and there are others on the market, but I I, I was adamant that we do a really good job on ours because I think that there were holes in the performance of the existing ones. So making sure that that was the best demineralizing treatment that you could have was really important to us. And I think it's a a really important step if you do salon services, even if you don't actually, what we saw for people who don't have chemically treated hair and I, I don't color my hair. Um, the shape is natural. So it's not like I uh, do a relaxer or, um, a perm is that you can really change the texture. So if I go to uh, you know someplace that has hard water, I come back and I do a chelator because my hair is going to be much softer after. So it really helps every single client, even if you're just getting a cut, because there is those metals and those minerals present in the water that you're shampooing with. So I think that that's one of the most important ones. I'll also say shampoo frequency can be important because like I said, water is sneakily damaging to your hair. and just exposing it to water can lead to different kinds of damage. So something that I've implemented and I've noticed a big difference is in washing my hair less often. And what that looks like is going to be different and unique to each person because sebum production of your scalp is different. What you're exposing your hair to is different. So, you know, I would just say, don't wash your hair just for the sake of washing your hair do it when your scalp is telling you it's time to wash your hair and don't overdo it really sort of stretch the time in between. Um, because again, you're, you're only going to keep your hair healthier by avoiding that exposure to water, to metals, to high pH and all of the forces, right? Like shampooing can be aggressive and brushing your hair can be aggressive. Styling your hair, heat treating hair can be aggressive. So minimizing wash frequency to a a routine that works for you, I think is also important. And what about those rare cases where someone really does need a daily wash, you know, because they have so much sebum production at the scalp, what can they do to their hair to minimize the damage of the strands with those shampooing, with that shampooing frequency? So I would say two things. One is you can pre-treat the hair before you go and get it wet. 
and there are different products on the market for this, but it could be as simple as using kind of a hair oil and applying it to the ends um, or the lengths of your hair before you get in the water. And what that's going to do is block a little bit of the water or slow its penetration in because water and oil don't mix, right? Oil typically repels water. And so if you put a layer or a barrier of something hydrophobic, like an oil water repelling on your hair, it's going to kind of slow water's progress inside. And it's actually the inside of your hair. I mentioned the, the, the first layer, the outside of hair being the cuticle, but the cortex of hair, which is the inner part, is made up of these long intertwining fiber proteins. It actually looks a lot like a rope, kind of they intertwine and twist together. And it's that center of the hair that gives hair its mechanical properties. And what I mean by mechanical properties is strength and elasticity. So when the proteins on the center, on the inside of hair take damage, that's when you're going to see increased breakage. So that's a really compromising state. So again, protecting the hair is important because you want to protect that inside of your hair if you want to see growth, if you want to minimize breakage. Um, and another thing that you could use, you know, or look for in a product that you're using as a pre-wash is coconut oil, because there are certain proteins and lipids in coconut oil that have been demonstrated. And again, I'm referencing studies to help protect the hair and minimize protein loss during a washing. So that's one thing you would want to do is protect the hair before you actually get in the shower. And the other is make sure you're using low pH products. That's a low pH shampoo. That's a low pH conditioner. Those are low pH styling products that you're using. Um, unless you can't avoid it, go for something that's got a pH of around five, four and a half, five and a half. That's just going to keep your hair a little bit more protected from the higher pH effects. And actually, it will help your hair bind less of the metals that are present in your water. Because like I said, hair proteins are net negative charge. So there's more of those negative charges. The higher in pH you go, the more negatively charged hair will be. And the more damage you have on your hair, the more negatively charged it'll be. So there's more potential binding sites for those metals. So if you keep the hair as low a pH you can, even if there are some metals in the water, less of them are going to hold on to and, and absorb into the hair. So pH is super important if you can't avoid a wash. Okay. And I actually love pre-oiling my hair before I wash it. Can I usually avoid doing that on the days that I'm using the K18 peptide, the mask? Can I do both? Can I pre-oil and use the mask or should I skip the pre-oil on days I'm going to be using the mask? The routine that I would recommend in that case is always pr protection is good for skin and hair, right? You always want to do something preventatively than retroactively. So I would say go ahead and oil your hair before you get in the shower. Also showering your, um, or washing your hair at the end of a shower is, is good too, which to me, when I started doing that because of K18, I was like, this is weird. It feels weird, but it, it helps because you're minimizing that contact time with the water. So, oh, um, I see. if you wash your body and you do whatever else you need to do, and then at the end, you're like, okay, wet my hair, do my shampoo, condition it if you want. If not, skip that and go do, you know, out of the shower. It, it, it shrinks the amount of time that water is going to be exposed to your hair. So that's a big one. And it's, it's so it's become so ingrained in my routine that I like didn't even think of it at first. But, you know, if you're looking for ways to, to keep your hair healthier, that's a good one. Um, but back to, to your question, 
oil the hair, use the detox shampoo because we designed that shampoo to be able to remove pretty much everything from hair. It's the trifecta. It gets rid of sebum, natural oils from your hair, which, you know, if it's good at getting those oils, it's also going to be good at getting external oils. It's good at getting product off of the hair. And I also designed the product to test. So it's products that are meant to last through multiple washes on the hair, the shampoo can get off. So it's good to get product off hair. And then the last one is the metals and minerals. The detox shampoo actually can chelate certain metals like copper and minimize them on the hair. So it's getting anything that would interfere with K18's performance off of the hair. So oil your hair, do your detox, get out the shower and go on ahead with your mask. I would generally pair, what I recommend is pairing the detox shampoo before you do the mask treatment, just because that peptide works on the inside of hair. And if you have anything that's sitting on top of the hair, it can block its way in and and the effectiveness of the product. Yeah, that's that's a great routine and very simple. It's really easy to follow and you know very efficacious. I, as I said, I am obviously a huge fan of the K eighteen peptide. That mask is such a staple in my routine. I recommend it to everyone I see who comes to that. I don't you know blindly give this advice. I'm not telling people their hair is damaged, but if they come to me with you know complaints that their hair is damaged, I always recommend the K eighteen mask. So, but I would have to argue that the the detox shampoo is honestly a close second for me. Like I loved it so much more than I thought I was going to. So it's such a fantastic product. Talking about curly hair, because I know you said you get a lot of those questions too. Yes. That routine, right? The detox shampoo and the K18 mask has been really game changing for, you know, from what we've heard from a lot of people who have curly or curly coily or even wavy hair. And I, from, I can speak, you know, to some of our team's experience, but we have an educator, her name is Alifia. She's a curly coily specialist and she is just such a wealth of information. I love working with pros, which I don't think I've said it yet, but they're my favorite people to have conversations with because when you look at hair from a theoretical perspective, you have the theoretical scientists, right, who are understanding why and doing experiments to to learn how things work. But there's also experimental scientists, right? And stylists, pros, colorists are the experimenters of the hair world. They're working with so many different hair types and so many different experiences and seeing how things work in practice that I just think scientists and stylists have the most fascinating conversations. And so many of the people I've talked to who are pros will say something that they've observed or that they experience. And I'm like, that makes total sense, complete sense, because that lines up with what I would be expecting on the theory and how I would expect hair to work. So um, Alivia does a lot of curly coily transformations and her favorite product, I think, is the detox shampoo as well, because there are so many things that can affect curls. Curly hair is interesting because it's shaped a little bit different and it clearly impacts how the hair is behaving, right? But mineral buildup, I'll say it again, hard water is going to impact curls. It can elongate them. It can make them crunchy. It can make them dry. So getting that off of the hair by doing something like achelating or demineralizing treatment is going to transform how your curls feel getting all the product buildup that can happen or oils that are weighing hair down and again, potentially elongating hair can um, make your curls or stop you from getting the results that you want from your curls. And then finally, the K18 peptide, because it's restoring the structure of hair, it, it can 
really keep the curl, the natural curl that you have intact in a way that you might not be able to do otherwise. So I, I love that combo. Um, Chelator detox, K18 mask. And she loves that combo and a lot of other people that we've spoken to. It's been really helpful for curly hair. This episode is brought to you by Current Body. Hair thinning is by far one of the most common concerns I see in clinic and that I hear from you all. Hair thinning affects both men and women and it happens when, for various reasons, our hair follicles spend less time in the growth phase and more time in the resting phase, causing an increase in hair shedding. This might look like a widened part or thinning at the sides for women, or a receding hairline and balding at the crown for men. This is something I've personally experienced after having my first baby, and I'm always looking for non-invasive solutions. The Current Body LED Hair Regrowth Device has been shown to offer 66% more hair growth than with supplements, topicals, and lasers alone. This FDA-cleared device uses the clinically proven wavelength of 640 nanometers to increase blood flow to the follicle and extend the growth phase for newer, thicker hair regrowth. The device is really futuristic looking and you just wear it on your head like a helmet for 10 minutes a day. It's completely painless, comfortable to wear, and you can multitask while using it. It's also Bluetooth enabled so you never even have to turn off this podcast. You can get 15% off your current body purchase with code CBAMY at checkout. So do you believe that it's possible to restore a curl pattern after years and years of relaxing and, you know, chemical damage, heat damage? I get that question a lot because people are really trying to embrace their natural hair texture. And we, we're we kind of coming out of a time where it was not that way for many years. So I think people are looking for ways that they can restore their pattern as much as possible. I think that there's a tipping point where if your hair is like super, super, super compromised, you might not be able to restore the original curl to it. And speaking off off the books, I don't know. In the literature, I have not seen anything that can restore a curl pattern that's been lost to damage. But experientially, I've seen K18 do that. I've seen the mask do that. And that's been personal. Like it boosts my curls in a way that I never thought that they would be. And again, I don't chemically treat my hair, but there's so many other sources of damage in the world that people don't realize. So virgin hair is kind of a myth. Everybody has some extent of damage and a lot of curly haired or coily haired people who've used K18 have seen that kind of revitalization of the curl pattern. And it's more dramatic for hair that is damaged, right? Because if you've heat styled your hair or if you've chemically styled your hair and then you use this, a lot of people have seen that curl pattern revert and it's brought back, which I think is to me the most interesting feature of K18. It's just fascinating because I haven't seen any other product that's been able to do this. The disclaimer is that we haven't tested it, right? We haven't done a publication or a third party study to confidently say like, yes, this is going to revert your curl pattern. But anecdotally and personally, many of us have had that happen and it's it's incredible. That's really exciting. And to speak on something you just mentioned, actually, one question I get very often about K18 is that, should I still use it if I don't have quote unquote damaged hair? And my answer is always, 
you know, if it's, if you're looking to improve the quality of your hair and it's within your budget, I say everyone should use it. And that's because something that you taught me, and that's that even brushing your hair damages your hair, living damages your hair. So we all have hair damage, even if it might not be the typical bleached kind of broken off damage that we're used to seeing, we all have some level. So we we should address it if we want the, you know, the most impactful change in our hair care routine. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you get it. it it's it's hard for some people to wrap their head around, but and the product is not cheap. Let's be real. Like it's a higher price point, but if you can make the investment, I do think it's really worth it for all hair types, regardless of salon status or at home or just like you said, living. Yeah, I agree. I think it truly is probably, you know, the most, the best product that I have in my routine. I really think it's the most efficacious hair product that that I've ever come across, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast to begin with, because there are so many hair care products out there. I mean, so many with new ones popping up. I mean, my, my front door every day is one or two packages of a new, a new hair launch. And there really just isn't anything like this product. It's so incredible. So I just, I'm, I'm so happy with it. And I just want to shout it from the rooftop. So I'm so excited to have you guys on to talk a little bit about the science because that is really what makes it so magical. Yeah. So should I talk a little bit about Katie? Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple other questions that we can kind of go over at the end, but I think I would, I think it's a good time to kind of go into the peptide and, and how it works, what it is, maybe some insider tips on how to use the mask, whatever insight you want to give us. So to understand why K-18 is so revolutionary and so awesome and the technology is just so compelling, you have to understand a little bit about hair structure. So like I mentioned, um, hair has kind of these two primary structural features, and that's the outside cuticle and the inside cortex. But hair is made up of what? It's mostly protein, up to 95% protein. There's some water content, some lipids, some trace metals, but protein is the biggest um, piece of hair's architecture. And having those proteins intact and structurally resilient translates directly to hair's properties. So if you are getting protein damage to the cuticle, that's going to impact a lot of kind of the way that you interact with your hair, right? So the way hair feels, the way hair looks is very much a factor of how healthy the cuticle is. And that's because shine is uniform reflection of light. So if the cuticle is flat and it's intact, it's not chipped, it's not crazy swelled, there's not chunks missing it's going to be a more uniform surface. And so you're naturally going to have more shiny hair. If, you know, again, there's pieces missing, there's raised cuticle scales that have lifted or chipped, you can feel that. So hair is going to feel a little bit coarser and not smooth. But what the more sinister effect is of cuticle damage is that it's exposing that inner cortex. And once damage starts to reach the inside proteins of hair, it's going to begin to fall apart. So if you think about that rope analogy, which is what the cortex looks like, right? Lots of tiny little fibers, meaning tiny little protein chains that are building together to create something that's a really beautiful and intricate structure, which again is something I think people don't realize like what hair looks like on a microscopic level or you know, it just looks like a string. It's just a fiber, but it's, it's a beautiful structure. And so 
when that inside cortex takes damage, you can imagine taking, a, you know, something sharp like a knife or scissors and wearing away at the rope. And it's going to start to fray and it's going to start to pull apart. And you wouldn't want to put weight on a rope that's been so damaged and frayed. You wouldn't want to climb that, right? It's just going to give, it's going to fall apart. And so cortex damage is what leads to breakage, like severe breakage. Once that structure falls apart, the hair fiber is going to fall apart. And so hair is made up primarily of protein, right? So the researchers, the fascinating piece of K18, the K18 peptide is kind of its discovery process. So they were looking at this protein structure of the hair and it's kind of a natural thought process, right? And it's actually what we call biomimicry or biomimetics is taking inspiration from something that's naturally occurring and trying to recreate it. So they looked at all of the proteins that make up our hair. It's the entire, all the proteins that are coded for in our genetics that end up in hair and creating that structure. They studied them. They broke them up into small proteins, which we call peptides. Peptide is just a small protein. And they scanned all of them for how well they were able to integrate with and bind to hair proteins. And the ones that were the stickiest, let's say, or the most enduring, they further screened for the ability to recover mechanical properties lost to damage, right? So once that inside protein architecture starts to fall apart, which can happen through chemical services, environment, like we talked about, so many different ways, um, you really compromise that protein architecture, that structure. And so you, you compromise the hair health. But the K18 peptide was the sequence of all of these that are taken from the actual building blocks of hair that was able to go in and reintegrate with and restitch that protein structure back together to create renewed structure and renewed strength. So it's been optimized from our hair chemistry and biology to be kind of the best solution. Applying protein to hair is not necessarily novel or new, right? There are plant proteins that you can put on your hair that help to reinforce. There are keratins, right? Extracted keratins, which are the proteins that are the primary form found in hair, and you can put them on. But when you take keratin, the inky keratin, and you're applying it to hair, what that means is it's just one of a class of proteins. But protein structure for any you know, organic chemists or geeks out there, it's very, very specific. So proteins are made up of amino acids, which are these little units that you link together end to end. And the type of amino acids, the number of them and the order of them, very much like letters in a word or words in a sentence, it really dramatically changes the meaning, right? So just having any keratin or any fragment of protein of any size or any composition isn't enough to create that really impactful repair. The K18 peptide is just the right size composition to do that really innovative repair. So it's the best for the job. And it's really different to anything that's out there. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to add. Any insider tips? On- I don't know. Do you have any questions? Yeah, like- I, I we, we got quite a few. And, and it's a lot of the education I've heard from you before. But I mean, I still... I still find myself asking these, the more I learn about K18, the more questions I have about it because it's just such a remarkable product. But one question that we did get from the audience was 
you know, how to apply it. And I remember when you guys spoke with uh, us at the Sephora squad, you had a tip of kind of like rubbing the product in the palm of your hands until it's opaque. And ever since I started doing that, it's made such a difference in how I'm able to apply it. So anything you can tell us, um, I think, you know, because it's a, it's a new product category, really, it's a new class of product. It's maybe there's some confusion on how to use it, even though the education from the brand is incredible. I think people often are confused by like the no conditioner piece and all those things. So any little tips that you can give us on how to get the most out of the the mask or any of the products would be helpful. So I think relevant to that discussion is kind of where K18 is working. And I've alluded to this, but I'm going to say it outright. K18 stitches those proteins on the inside of the hair back together. A lot of traditional hair care and cosmetic chemistry and formulas are doing surface modi- modification. So surface modification, what does that mean? Like I said, the cuticle and the health of the cuticle impacts how hair looks and how hair feels. And so the strategy of the industry has been to modify how hair looks and how hair feels. So you make it effectively more manageable. Um, by coating the hair in things like oils and emollients, right, which will help it to feel smoother. It's going to reduce friction, so it's going to make it easier to comb, to get any, any kind of styling tools through it. And it's creating, like oils are shiny, right? So you create a more uniform layer. You're covering up those gaps or those chips or those breaks or lifts in the cuticle and the proteins, and you're creating this kind of artificially uh, uniform layer. So hair's going to also look shiny. Um, And actually, the way that existing products can claim hair strengthening is still by doing surface modification. Because if you imagine that exposed pine cone, right, and you try and drag it power, drag a comb along the side of it, it's going to catch and it's going to snag. And you need more force to pull it past. And that increased friction, it's going to cause breakage. But if you coated that in something like you know, like the homemade slime or oils or honey or something like that, right? That's going to cover up the different different gaps in those scales. It's much easier to pull something past it. So you're smoothening it, you're lubricating it, you're reducing that friction. And so you can actually take the comb past your hair, right? Much easier with less force needed to untangle it. And so you would see less breakage. And so it's that less breakage that lends itself to strengthening claims because, you know, the hair's not breaking as easily. The conclusion is that it's stronger, but that's not actually true. Um, applying something to the surface or to the cuticle itself, it's not impacting the inside of hair, which is where we know that strength comes from. So these products can be great to help you achieve a desired look or a feel or a style, but they're not addressing the underlying damage. So K18, that peptide needs to make its way to the center of the hair, to the inside of the hair, to the cortex to do its repair. And the formulation is optimized to do that, to deliver the peptide in. It's also pH regulated, like we talked about, it's important. So if you have things that are big polymers that are going to sit on the outside of hair or oils, they can effectively block some of the peptide from getting inside. And so that's why we recommend you wash your hair and then you skip the conditioner because conditioners are filled with those things that are going to coat and protect the hair, but also potentially block that really differentiated repair that the K18 peptide is capable of doing. So making sure that your hair is that clean canvas is really the most important piece of using the K18 mask. 
And then there's user experience, right? So I know people who have curlier or coilier hair. It's it's hard to apply just a little bit of product. And this mask a little bit goes a long way. And we're not just saying that the more textured or shaped your hair is kind of the more product we like to throw on to make it easier. Like I mentioned to detangle, right? Because it's going to coat and allow you to, to manipulate it easier. But what I do is because my hair would not want to detangle like with nothing on it, with no conditioners. I put conditioner or detangler on in my hair first thing when I wet it. I detangle it like that. And then I go in with my shampoo and then I get out of the shower. I towel dry it and I apply the K18 mask. So I'm doing a little bit of that work up front to make it more manageable for me to use. I also have really long hair. So, you know, it's not maybe as coily or curly as the hair types that are out there, but that was a pain point for me that I found this workaround to solve. And then applying just a little bit is hard, right? Just getting it to apply uniformly over so much, like there's a huge surface area to hair, which again, makes it really different than skin um, because there is the surface of all of those individual fibers on your head. And that trick of pumping out the product and then rubbing it between your hands until it kind of soaps up, right? You see it turn that opaque white. It allows you to place it and kind of see where you're putting it. And so it doesn't just get sucked up by the hair. You know where it's going. You know where you need to hit. And it's also, you're thinning out the layer. So you're just applying a little bit to each area, which extends it a lot more, right? So you don't have to use too much product. And you can't really overapply the peptide. It's made of the same stuff as your hair and it's going to find damage. It's going to repair damage. And if you don't need it, it's not really going to do much, but you can over apply the product, the formula. And so if you apply too much of the mask, it might start to feel heavy. It's not a very conditioning formula. Like actually some of the things that I've seen online are people like, Oh, it's just a conditioner. Like it's not the peptide doing anything. Like, it'd be a pretty crappy conditioner if it was just meant for that. Like it's not, really lubricating. It's not going to add super shine. It's not meant to hold a style. It's just meant to be that serum that you're applying for the health of your hair. It's like a retinol for skin, right? Being able to apply the product uniformly and not over apply it so that it's going to weigh the hair down and feel heavy and draggy. Like that's really important getting the dosage right. And you don't need a lot. So if you have short hair, you might be able to even just use half of the main size pump or one of the the smaller mask size pumps. Um, always start with less. You can always add more, but people are always surprised also at how easily you can detangle your hair if you have kind of less of a curl shape or a wave. Or even if you do, honestly, um, you can just get a comb through your hair or brush through your hair easier when you use the mask. And that's because you're repairing the damage, but you're also putting the hair back at a lower pH. So minimizing swelling of the cuticles and keeping everything more resilient. So yeah, those are my tips to get the most from your mask. Yeah. And that's really helpful too. As we mentioned earlier, you know, if the price isn't well within your budget, this is a way that you can really get the most out of the product. You really don't need much. And that's one thing when I tried to explain how much I use, I mean, I have really long hair and I don't use, I use maybe two or three pumps max. I mean, I, that's probably even still too much. Like I can get the job done with one or two. So, um, I think it's important to kind of understand those tips so that we can get the most out of it, as you said. (laughs) 
Before we wrap up, I wanted to rapid fire a couple quick hair questions for you that the audience had. So we're going to start with, can you oil train your scalp? Oh, that's a question everyone wants to know. It's really hard to give an answer because the literature is almost kind of a little bit conflicting, right? And that there's not a lot of things that impact sebum production, but there are a couple. And the ones that are most well-known for doing this are regulated as drugs, right? Tretinoin, spironolactone, which is oral, those are known to impact sebum production. But things like products, some of the actives that I've encountered and even used have like a little bit of data that suggests that they can impact it a little bit. But training your scalp, changing the environment, it's biologically complex, right? So somebody might see something that they're just hitting the right combination of factors that it is having a biological impact. But the same person who's doing similar things or a different person rather that's doing similar things might not see the same results. So that's kind of like a yes, no, (laughs) there are known things that can impact it, but just by showering less frequently, perhaps, or using different products, I think that genetic and biological factors are always going to be more dramatic than a product. That's a really thoughtful and helpful answer. That's probably the most thoughtful answer I've heard on that topic because usually it's just like a no, it's not possible. (laughs) So I really appreciate your insight there. That's that's really helpful because you do anecdotally find those people who say that they they have been successful in you know oil training their scalp. So that makes sense why we might have those outliers based on your answer. Okay, next. I'm glad that you think so. Sorry, I'm going to add one thing to that, and I think that. It's not the most satisfying answer to be given like yes and no, but evidence-based science is very nuanced and there's rarely a hard answer. And people who are giving you a totally yes or totally no, that should maybe make your bullshit meter ring a little bit, right? Because science isn't really that way. We're always learning new information and data might be telling us one thing at a certain point, but that can always evolve later. So at this point, data is conflicting, but we could always learn something new or find something different later down the line. So I just think that that's nuance is really important in any scientific discussion. Yeah, it's incredibly important. I think 90% of my answered comments on Instagram are, it depends. And then I kind of go on because that's <laughs> just the reality of, of science, of skin science, of hair science, of science in general. And my friend Susan always says that if you're getting like a blatant yes or no answer, or someone's just scoffing something off saying it's not possible, it's kind of a lazy answer, right? Because there really is so, so much data out there on, on many of these topics. And it's, it's takes time to comb through number one. And number two, it's always changing. You know, science is always changing. We're always finding out new things. So it's important to keep an open mind and understand that nuance. So I really appreciate that answer. Yeah, I love that. One more rapid fire question. Do you think protein overload is possible? Or I guess, what are your thoughts on this protein overload movement? That we're seeing. This is another nuanced answer, right? In the literature, there is nothing to suggest that protein overload is a phenomenon that's actually happening. I have a hypothesis as to what people are identifying as what protein overload is, but it's not been tested. We're like coming up with a plan to do a little bit of development on this, but my... Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> K-18 is a startup, right? So over the last two and a half years, I've had to do a lot of, it might not necessarily get to do interesting different things that a formulator or an education scientist or product developer, right? And so I've had to deal with consumer complaints or troubleshooting a lot, right? Like I've gone on these calls with people and something that was 
or reporting brittle hair, things that were kind of along, you know, if they were reporting that they weren't getting results or that they were having the opposite of what the peptide is designed to do, right? They were seeing breakage, lines of protein overload. Nine times out of 10, it was someone that had hard water and they had maybe traveled to an area that did, or they had moved recently and the water supply was different. And my suspicion is that what people are identifying as protein overload, right, that brittleness or stiffness or breakage of the hair is actually different factors manifesting. So a combination of maybe hard water making your hair stiffer and more brittle or product buildup or the two combined, which again reinforces to me, you know, the um, because if you're applying a product, even if it, even if there's some need to really have that clean canvas of hair to reset it every once in a while, that hair is blocked and you have a bunch of crap back element of proteins, right? Stacking up on the hair. Hair is made up of protein. Um, if built on top of it, I don't know if we're allowed to, yes. you have a lot of ish speckled on top of your hair, <laughs> like products and salts and minerals and whatnot. And then you apply more product on top. It can create kind of like, but I don't think that protein overload itself is possible. It hasn't seemed that way cast on the surface of the hair. Right. So that's my theory. It needs to be tested. Always giving the disclaimers, um, way in any of the tests that we have done. But as to what the culprit actually behind it is, that's that's the working theory. I love that. Another really thoughtful answer. And I think anytime we see these trendy terms or these, these issues that were not seemingly an issue for so long and now all of a sudden kind of are, it always makes us think what could actually be going on here. And I think that's, you know, maybe one of the detriments of social media is kind of like hopping on the bandwagon of these issues. We see this, you know, in every, in skincare too. It's just sometimes all it takes is a few people who, who have their own theory and then, you know, it's confirmation bias and, and you're reading, you're reading these stories and you think, oh, that's what's happening to me too. And so it's always helpful to have a scientist on here to actually myth bust some of those things. So we really appreciate that. And, um, I want to end with what is your most underrated skincare tip? Something you don't hear people talk about, or maybe something that can be so easily changed in our routine. I know you've given you know, quite a few in this episode, but what would you say is the most underrated? You said skincare, but hair care? Hair care, yes. So <laughs> yes, hair care tip. Most I underrated think hair it's care. Related tip. actually, because scalp is skin. It's living skin. And healthy scalp is very, very linked to the health of the hair fiber that's growing from it. And so I actually think that having a good scalp care routine is important. And it's catching on a little bit more now. There's a trend in the industry. It's called skinification of hair. And it makes me super happy because I did skincare formulation for years and I love it. And one of my favorite things to do back when I was at the CM to this day is to like kind of homebrew a custom product. And I've had the luxury of being able to like tailor products to myself. So making scalp serums that are things that I know that I need. But I think that continuing that conversation of if your scalp is healthy, your hair is healthy. And if your hair is healthy, your scalp will in turn be healthier. You don't need to apply so many things to it that are new things coming in contact with your scalp. You, you know, don't need to maybe have such aggressive chemical treatments to get your hair to a place where you feel it's good. If your hair is healthy, you're just going to need less, less is more. Um, 
and your scalp will be healthier as a result of it. So making sure that from root to tip, your hair is feeling good. Your scalp is feeling good. Only shower and wash your hair. No, no shower, please shower, <laughs> but only wash your hair and your scalp when you need to. And I think that a lot of problems will also self-solve, but have a holistic routine. Don't just look at it from one angle. The scientist is always like, you know, how many different ways can we look at this and incorporate a routine? And I think that looking at things from different ways, understanding why or digging into why something is happening that you're experiencing, I think can really help too. So that's my two cents. Absolutely. And what's next for K-18? Can, is there anything exciting coming down the pipeline that you can share? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know what I'm allowed to share, but I will say that K-18's innovation team is really looking for continuing new and impactful technologies to leverage even beyond the K-18 peptide that you might see in the next couple of years. That's so exciting. As I mentioned, this is truly one of my favorite brands and it's that innovation. It just like really excites me. I get so hyped up about it because it's it's something so new. As I mentioned, you guys kind of created a category beyond what cosmetic chemistry has ever been able to do before. So I just can't wait to see what you guys do. And thank you so much for taking your time to educate us. I We only got through like 50% of my questions. It, it makes me so happy because you just, you provide so much information. I can't wait to listen to this episode over and take notes and and change my hair care routine even more. Um, you've you've truly changed my hair. Your education has changed my hair. And I've heard from so many people who I've who I've recommended K18 to that are just so pleased with with what it's done for them. So thank you for coming on and sharing a little bit about it with us and and hair care in general. I really really appreciate your expertise. Okay, so who else is changing everything about their hair care routine after listening to that episode? This is exactly the kind of information I was so excited to share with you all when I first dreamt up Skin Enthusiast, the podcast, and I hope you took away some amazing tips. One lucky listener is going to be chosen to win a K18 bundle. All you have to do is follow K18 on Instagram and tell me in my latest Instagram post for this episode what you'll be changing in your hair care routine after listening to this. I think we're all collectively about to have a hair glow up. Thank you.